Gran didn't hate pornography on principle. If it were you making the porn, I wouldn't mind at all. If it was literally anyone else, it would be great. Wonderful. Power to you. Means of production, he was saying to Timo. But it's Ivan. Gran had been with Ivan for something like seven months. They started seeing each other shortly after Garan and Timo last slept together, and just before Timo took up with Fyodor. Timo liked Ivan. He had a melancholic, downbeat humor, like Charlie Chaplin or Eeyore. Lightning recap. In The Kings of Norway by Brandon Taylor, two men orbit each other as they try to figure out life and love and lust. You've got a little time. We've got a little podcast. Welcome to a kinder, gentler short story, short podcast. I am Christopher J. Garcia, today here with... Christy LeBaxter. <laughs> and today we've got a kick-ass story about... Well, it's about pornography. It's about love. It's about names that make me go back and forth as to how to pronounce them. Yeah. Most of all, it's about the Kings of Norway. What's it called, Christy? The Kings of Norway by Brandon Taylor. I'm torn on this story in a number of ways. Um, I liked a lot of it. And then... I sort of fell out of it a couple of times. What I think it really was, was that the prose is so taut that there's very little wiggle room to sort of get into these characters who are completely foreign to me. I can't play piano. I'm not a ballet dancer. Um, I don't do porn on the side. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's an interestingly constructed Constructed story. And I think that may be what kept me going is that it's, it is not a prescriptive story of longing. It is a explorative story of longing. Yes, that's a great way of putting it. I, I totally agree with you that it's, it's so exploratory. Uh, that The characters are exploring themselves. The writer is exploring the characters. It's, it's very much exploration of these, you know, moments, truly, of moment by moment by moment. Uh, I'd say the story itself is very present um, because it's constantly in the moment, even when it's jumping ahead or backwards. Yeah. And I think there's a point to the, the forward backwardsness is that it's how when you are building or losing or continuing in a relationship, often, it actually rarely is the present what you're thinking about. It is always the impact of the past or the promise of the future. And that sort of sensation comes across here fairly well, I think. Where I did get lost was how do these individual relationships mean to the people at the individual times as it sort of slips through? And that's where I sort of 
I, I lost a thread once or twice. And that may say more about me as a reader, but it definitely, there was some, some it's a, not an easy story to intake, I guess. I agree with you. I, I think there's a, a slight, there's something of a barrier to entry. It takes a little while to settle in. And it, it might be partially what you said, that this is for, for both of us, a foreign world. I mean, the, the best way I could relate to the characters uh, was the, the, you know, the, the pianists, well, I used to play violin and it was always, you know, the, the instrument of my heart. It was the, the one I kept going back to. I tried flute and that was a no-go. And I, I got shuffled over to the viola section when we didn't have any violas. And even though it's very similar to the violin, it still was not the violin. And it's always been just kind of like, once you find an instrument that you love, it gets stuck in your blood. And walking away from that, you know, like, I, I get it. And so that was the best like way I could relate to these characters. But then again, I have to consider all of the, the stories that we've read about, like, you know, like metal, like blood in the dark. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much can we relate to those characters? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> So oh. I, I don't I don't know if it's necessarily um, if the argument can be made that it's about relating to the characters so much as I think this is a different kind of writing than we're used to. And mm-hmm. it took a little while to sink into that because this is something that is just rotated ever so slightly from the norm. And I think another interesting thing here is the amount of chin resting in this story. Uh, there's five or six times where people rest their chins on their arms. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but one of the things that definitely did draw me in is this idea of the unspoken annoyances that there's the great sort of back and forth where you know the annoyance with doing the porn uh, mating to the annoyance of a bad bottle of wine and i think that actually serves to lessen both that it is we simply accept and go on and sort of fume is probably the wrong word but focus on for a period and i think that aspect of this sort of at what point do we have to stop neglecting the annoyances and start actually trying to deal with them? But at the same time, realizing sometimes you, one, can't deal with them, and two, trying to deal with them makes you uh, uh, vulnerable to losing it. (laughs) So there's that back and forth that goes on, that sort of the eternal ping pong game that is human relations. Yeah, that is human relations and also kind of dealing with our anxieties and neuroses or choosing not to. Mm-hmm. Which, as every American knows, is the right way to go. Um, exactly, yes. <laughs> um, I think there's a lot here that also makes me think of sort of the stories that end well but not necessarily clearly but the last lines actually clear up everything before and 
this is a strange line, of course, connecting it to Owl Creek Bridge, um, the uh, happening at Owl Creek Bridge that uh, is, you know, if you look at the very last line, the very last, you know, five words, six, seven, eight words, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, eight words. Um, I feel like I'm about to break out with jazz hands. <laughs> it changes everything. It really does. Yeah. It, and I think building that the way that Brandon Taylor did makes the story more, it's a waiting game. And maybe that's what it was. Maybe I felt like I was waiting this story out for the payout. The payout happens. And it plays off brilliantly with uh, the last sort of exchange between the two. Fuck you. You don't believe me, Goran said. I do. I do. No, you don't. I do. You don't. I do. And how that plays in with their hearts breaking over and over again. (laughs) This idea that every obstacle is a heartbreak to play with that notion really it puts it all sort of into like a very orthogonal way and I like that yeah I do feel it's an absolutely beautiful ending uh it's and and you're right it is exactly the, the the payoff and that that's the exact word I was thinking of even right before you said it that a, a lot of this story is about getting to that payoff that kind of clears things up for us and also settles things in a way and it's just that that's one of the more beautiful endings I've ever read oh see and I think that as, a, as a story overall the writing is it's very clear it's not overly ornamented and where the ornamentation happens tends to be in uh, adapting it to a reader of a specific time, that line, you know, Charlie Chaplin or Eeyore puts you in a very particular place. The readers that that is supposed to reach are ones who understand what Charlie Chaplin is um, because, you know, kids today, they don't know their classic movies. And also, why isn't anyone making good serials anymore? Um, And Eeyore and the understanding of what Eeyore means to the, you know, the kid who was the outsider, who was, you know, who got the happy sad the you know the perky goth kid uh, that eeyore represents <laughs> yeah it does kind of actually what i wanted to talk about i wanted to talk about you, you said that the, the writing has this tautness and there were moments when i was like hemingway and i wasn't talking to my cat <laughs> yeah hemingway yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the moment, it was like in the practice room. The sound of their voices was a solid thing moving among them and through them. And it just goes on in these very short, brief, choppy sentences that I think really increase the tension level here in this moment that is probably one of the more tense moments of the entire story. These mean kernels of sound. It was cruel. Timo's mouth filled with an acidic heat. He tried to breathe through his nose. He tried to be present. He tried to be there. It's just all these individual, just like short, quick, sentences that really increased the tension and I thought that was that was very well done there and it it just caught me in that moment and made me think Hemingway Mm -hmm. and another interesting thing I note about that is how often he played with sort of 
the opening portion of a sentence saying one thing and then negating it to a degree with the other. Um, if a great example, he said goodbye to Ivan and Goran, comma, Timo did not go home. This idea that, you know, there's a goodbye, he's supposed to leave, but he didn't go home. It's this idea of, you know, here is the setup, but what follows is not necessarily what we are expecting and following. Um, you know, the other one, uh, he got to his office, he locked the door, but he did not turn on the lights. Again, another example of, you know, the sort of, I guess we're, we're supposed to be setting ourselves into someone whose behaviors, whose uh, stimulus, I guess, we understand, but whose response we don't necessarily. And I think that shows up, you know, a few times, but it is those short, uh, those short, not necessarily, I don't think it's choppy because short sentences can often turn into choppy writing. This is yeah. not choppy. And that's one of the things that's really interesting. I also like the fact that there are a fair number of two word sentences. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we have this concept that we always talk about of sentence writers and paragraph writers. And the funny thing is, is that I have in my in my notes, uh, I have written paragraph writer. And but now I'm actually going back on that. And I'm thinking sentence writer. I'm thinking Brandon Taylor is more of a, a, a sentence writer. It just is there. They're, he really knows how to play with sentences and, and length and syntax and everything. And so that's where I'm landing. Where do you land? What if I told you you were both right? <laughs> oh, I like being correct times two. The idea that I think he is a concept writer that and is trying to express a each paragraph is trying to express an idea and when there is a new idea, it's as brief as possible. So there are a fair number of one sentence paragraphs. Uh, there are a fair number of uh, very tight paragraphs that are sort of expressing that. So I could see where it could be on the line. Although my favorite paragraph in this entire thing, no, 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 no. What stupid little words. That is an excellent paragraph. I have to agree. Yes. That's a good paragraph. Yeah, going from uh, minimalist writing to minimalist music. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think this is a beautifully done story that maybe maybe I'm just not the right, the completely right reader for it. I can appreciate a lot of it, but I do have some places where I just felt a little bit more distance. Maybe it's not, you know, it's a, as a romance nerd, this isn't a romantic story necessarily. But I also wouldn't yeah. know where to put it. <laughs> no, I, I agree with that. It's not necessarily a romance story. I think it's, uh, no, it, it's exactly like you said, exploration. It's exploration. Um, it's an exploration of, you know, whether romance exists in a moment or not. Mm. And the least romantic porn scene ever uh, <laughs> early in the story. <laughs> yes, agreed, agreed. So, and um, Brandon Taylor just recently, I, I happened to go over his Twitter feed, his link, so I wasn't stalking. It was, it was just right there. Um, so he, uh, he just won the story prize. Oh, he did? Yeah, yeah. Well. Like yesterday, maybe, I think. Um, so we're, we're right. Uh, we're 
we're right on the Brandon Taylor trend, apparently, without even um, knowing it, because, you know, we decided we picked this story last week. That's right. No, no, we picked the story months ago. It was in the, we knew that long ago. Um, there you go. That's... It existed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, got anything else on this one? Um, I'm definitely interested in Brandon Taylor's work and I want to read more because you know how I am for endings, you know, they're, they're mm-hmm. my, they're my everything. And so uh, any, any writer can sweet talk me with a good, a really good, impactful, uh, beautifully rendered ending, um, that just kind of like makes me sit back in my seat and go, whoa. So I definitely will be picking up some more of his work. And I will too because I am a follower. (laughs) We're both followers. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Hey, Christy. Yes? What are we going to read this coming week? This coming week, we are going to read Unknown Number by, who's it by? Blue Noise Stifter. There we go. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yes. I cannot say nor spell. Oh, goodness. Uh, so, yes. And this is going to be interesting. I'm really excited for that. Mm-hmm. That's right. Our first story originally published on Twitter. So <laughs> this will be a fun one. We truly are living in the future. And you know what? Even before now, we were living in the present. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And in the past. You just blewed my mind. (laughs) That's what I'm here for, man. Yes. Well, in that case, this has been short story. Short podcast. (laughs) 